Shalom and welcome to the Jewish Mind, where the growth of modernity meets the timeless wisdom and solutions of Judaism. The title of this lecture is, Listen Darkness, My Old Friend, Celebrating the Energy of Hanukkah in Our Personal Lives. Before we discuss the specific modern issue that we are going to explore through the mystical teachings of Judaism, I want to first introduce you to the peculiarity of Hanukkah's energy. The celebration of Hanukkah is all about Matityahu, the high priest, and his sons forming the Maccabee army, recapturing the Holy Temple from the Syrian Greek Empire in the year 3622, which is 139 BCE, cleansing it from all the idols placed there, rekindling the menorah in the holy temple with pure oil, which naturally would have sufficed for only one day, and yet a miracle happened and it remained kindled for eight days until new pure oil was able to be made and brought to the holy temple for the ongoing daily rekindling of the menorah. However, even though Hanukkah is all about restoring the holy temple and the divine light that it brought into the world, Nevertheless, Hanukkah introduced a total different, unprecedented divine light into the world. And Hanukkah continues to serve as a portal for us to connect with this amazing, unprecedented divine light year after year. We will explore in mystical and practical terms exactly what this special divine light of Hanukkah is. However, let us first see what is different about Hanukkah energy from the Holy Temple energy. A. The menorah in the Holy Temple has seven branches, and the Hanukkah menorah has eight branches, so too the holiday of Hanukkah is for eight days. B. The menorah in the Temple had to be lit while it was still daytime, while the Hanukkah menorah must be lit after sunset. C. The menorah in the Holy Temple had to be inside the actual temple, not even in its courtyard, on the right side, which means south, right from when you're facing east. When you're facing east, that's where the Holy of Holies was. While the Hanukkah menorah is supposed to be placed at the door from the outside on the left side of the doorpost, which is opposite of the mezuzah, which is on the right side of the doorpost. So we have three differences. Thus, to sum up what is peculiar about the Hanukkah energy is that it manifests itself in A, number 8, transnatural, B, outside, left side, and C, darkness. Now let us describe the precise modern issue upon which Hanukkah sheds light, warmth, and transformation. Darkness manifests itself in the human experience in a very personal way within him and around him. From the moment that Adam and Eve ate from the tree of knowledge, they had internalized evil, darkness, and temptation within the human being. No more would some outer creature such as the serpent be the one to arouse within the human thoughts of temptations. Rather, from that moment on, the voice of temptation arises from within us. So too the dark emotions of insecurity, fear, and jealousy are not imposed upon us, but are aroused from within us. And these dark emotions and desires within us attract into our lives dark and challenging situations that we need to deal with, 
whether they be of the relationship, financial, or health nature. Hanukkah was a story of the Jewish people engaging, rising up to and transforming the darkness into an unprecedented divine light. Ultimately, this is the reason why God had in His original plan that Adam and Eve would sin and experience darkness. For the original plan was for the unprecedented divine light of second chances, which is all about bringing the ultimate essence light which can only come out of darkness. As you'll always experience with the Jewish mind form, first we will dive into the mystical, spiritual teachings, and from there we will extrapolate the practical actions that will transform our practical daily life experience. Let us begin with some simple questions. If Hanukkah is about illuminating the darkness of the outside, spiritually meaning outside of humility, outside of transparency and oneness with God, then why does it have to be lit outside after sunset, rather than to be lit inside during the daytime, where it will then illuminate throughout the night onto the outside, just like the menorah of the Holy Temple did? Let us take a deeper look into how the menorah light of the Holy Temple affected the world. The first holy temple was built by King Solomon and manifested the higher divine light that manifested itself within and through King Solomon. King Solomon was the era of peace and abundance in Jewish history. King David, his father, King David's reign was the era of war in which King David established the sturdiness of the Jewish kingdom. However, it was established through much war and much bloodshed until the enemies of Israel were subdued. King Solomon's power of dominance was through peaceful attraction and transformation. The story that epitomizes King Solomon's reign of peace was how Queen Sheba, upon hearing of King Solomon's wisdom and light, was attracted to it, and Queen Sheba came to King Solomon to be peacefully transformed by King Solomon's divine light, which emanated from the Holy Temple. Thus, ultimately, the Holy Temple and its menorah lights would illuminate through the night unto the outside, transforming darkness and separation into light and unity with God. Why then did Hanukkah have to change the format by having its menorah kindled specifically on the outside after sunset? Additionally, the power of Hanukkah was brought about by the self-sacrifice of Matityahu, the high priest, and his sons, which were a small group of Jews. However, the story of Purim, in which once again the Jewish people faced extreme darkness, was overcome by the self-sacrifice of every Jew in the generation not converting out of Judaism in order to save their lives. And nevertheless, the holiday and publicity of Purim through the laws of food gifts, charity to the poor, and festivity, is celebrated specifically inside our homes and during the daytime of Purim. Why then is Hanukkah specifically brought outside into the night? The answer is, the difference from imposing light upon darkness, dispelling the darkness, or to transform the darkness itself into darkness's truest essence of divine light. Let us return to something that we discussed in our last lecture, the spirituality of wealth. There is the victory over darkness that takes place through prayer, which is a strenuous war to fight. 
There is the victory over darkness through Torah study by Moses, in which although it was not a war fought, however the holy ark which housed the tablets and the Torah was brought into the desert, and there is that it established victory over darkness. This is the Torah study of the revealed Torah, which discusses the laws of the Torah for all objects and for all situations, both of purity and impurity. Then there is the victory over darkness through the Torah study of King Solomon, which is the peaceful victory through the law of attraction, where the light of Torah brought Queen Sheba to King Solomon. This is the Torah study of the hidden Torah, the esoteric teachings which discuss the oneness of God. However, even in the peaceful victory of attraction, there is still the active engaging with the outside darkness of the revelation of God's light actively imposing itself in the transformation of the outside darkness. Then there is the ultimate peaceful victory of Mashiach, in which there is the victory of, and I quote you the verse from Zechariah, God will be king over the entire earth. On that day God will be one and His name one. Now, even though we just stated that this peaceful victory will be brought about by Mashiach, and the verse clearly states that it will be on that day, nevertheless, it is our job to bring Mashiach and to prepare ourselves for Mashiach. And we do this by already living and bringing about Mashiach's form of peaceful victory in our lives. Allow me to explain this in different words. Every redemption that the Jewish people ever experienced was one in which the Jewish people were taken out of darkness, subdued darkness, or dispelled darkness. This is why all of our redemptions of the past were not the final redemption. For as long as darkness still exists, or even the potential of darkness exists, redemption is not final, and darkness ultimately returns for us to have to deal with it again. Thus, in this era of the footsteps of Mashiach, we need to do something different in how we battle our inner battles with our inner darkness, and in how we battle with global evil in our country and in countries across the globe. Let us state this in practical words. Victories throughout the generations have been brought about through the war of armies, the and ultimately, war will never end through such victories. Today we must bring our battles into the classroom and realize that through loving, patient, caring, and acceptance, education will bring about true lasting victory. This is just an example that I am giving in order for us to understand the difference of the old redemptions in which our holidays celebrate. They tried to kill us, we won, or we were saved, so let's eat. And the final redemption in which we aren't taken out of exile, but rather exile is taken out of us and out of the human paradigm of existence. The portal for us to be able to live the peaceful victory ways of Mashiach is Hanukkah, for Hanukkah is the ultimate transformation of darkness, and transformation isn't the right word. For that suggests an active engagement and imposition of light upon darkness and inside upon outside, which is still not the peaceful ways of Mashiach. So, what we need to explore 
is what exactly, in the most practical form, is living and acting in the peaceful ways of Mashiach. We speak of the war through prayer. We speak of the victory through the study of the revealed Torah, and even of the peaceful victory through the study of the hidden Torah. What is the service of God that brings about the peaceful ways of Mashiach? King David states in Psalms chapter 145, All your works will thank you, O Lord, and your pious ones will bless you. The Hebrew word for thank you in this verse is Yoducha, from the root word Hoda'ah, which is translated as acknowledge, admission. Additionally, the word for your pious ones in this verse is Chasidecha, from the root word Chesed, which is translated as kindness. In the previous lecture, we defined the difference between tzedakah, charity, and chesed, kindness, in which tzedakah is to give a person all that he is lacking in his needs from his accustomed lifestyle, even if his accustomed lifestyle is a very high and expensive one, for this constitutes his needs. And chesed is to give abundance and wealth, which is defined as financial means beyond what the individual could ever need. So now we know what chesed is. Now let us return to the correlation of the two statements of the verse, yoducha, acknowledgement, and chesed, kindness, wealth. The mystical teachings tell us that what King David is telling us on a mystical level is that the only way to connect with true spiritual experience of wealth, chesed, is through the ultimate humility of acknowledgement, yoducha. What this means is that to surpass the tzedakah form of redemption, even that of King Solomon, and to enter into the Mashiach experience of redemption, chesed, one needs to have the service of hoda'ah, humble and simple acknowledgement. Let us understand this. Let's get mystical for a moment. In Jewish mysticism, the existence and sustenance of the world, creation, as it receives it from God, Creator, is through the Divine Light, also known as the Infinite Light, Blessed Be He. This Infinite Light is described in the way it expresses itself through the Ten Emanations, from which the human form was later made as a replica. Thus, we have the Linear Permeating Light, which defines itself in the Three Intellects and the Seven Emotions. This is the finite experience of the infinite light, molding and feeding the needs of creation. Then there is the supernal crown, which is the circular encompassing light. This is the infinite experience of the infinite light. However, even a crown needs to be made to the size of the head. And therefore, even the infinite experience of the infinite light is considered to be feeding the needs of creation, albeit in the being a very high and expensive lifestyle, one of an infinite experience, but nevertheless a need defined as an experience of tzedakah and not of chesed. The spiritual experience of wealth, chesed, as defined within the divine light giving life to creation, is the divine light of pnimiut atik, the interior essence of the ancient one. Don't be scared. We are going to explain this now in the most practical and tangible way.
In the mystical teachings of divine light, I'm sorry, in the mystical teachings, divine light has many layers to it. And for our conversation, we will focus on the primary two. Light has its expressiveness and its essence. The level of the expressiveness of the light will obviously depend on the source of the light. Thus, the infinite light, blessed be He, has two primary levels within the expressiveness of the light. A. The finite linear permeating light and B. The infinite circular encompassing light. However, what these two levels have in common is that they are both the outer dimension of the light, which is how the light is revealing itself to others. Thus they are the expressiveness of the infinite light. The second layer, the higher layer of the infinite light, is the essence of the light, which is not about expressing itself to others. Generally speaking, we refer to this as the inner essence layer of the supernal crown. In other words, the external expressive layer of the supernal crown is the side of the crown that has to be made to the size of the head. However, within the supernal crown lays the higher essence layer of the crown. Physically speaking, this relates to the crown as it represents the kingship. A man is the king who is wearing the crown, regardless of how big or small the crown has to be made to the size of the head. Now let us take this one more level up. Within the essence layer of the supernal crown, there are two levels as well. For example, there is the way a person thinks, knows, and actively experiences self. On the one hand, he is not being expressive to anyone else outside. However, the mere fact that he knows and is experiencing himself is already a step out of the essence in its truest form. Thus the mystics speak of Reish Deloy Isyada, the head that does not know itself. It is beyond being known or being experienced. So too the inner essence of the essence of light, Pnimiot Atik, is beyond the revelation even to self. It simply is. Inner essence is not actively is, rather it simply is. Pneumit Atik does not actively engage neither with the outside nor with self inside, and neither with darkness nor with light. Were Pneumit Atik to be a verb, I would say that it is a verb of being and not an action verb. However, the very term verb or even noun has already disconnected us from the inner essence of the essence. Now we can begin to understand the peaceful ways of Mashiach, for it is the way of Pnimiot Atik, the inner essence of the essence. How does that which simply is and never engages transform the darkness of the outside? The answer is that it doesn't. Transform denotes a change from what you are to what you weren't. It also implies that the cause of the transformation is causing something to happen. Neither of these two implications applies to Pneumit Atik. Rather, when we open the conscience of the universe to Pneumit Atik, we are opening ourselves up to the core essence of all beings, darkness and light, outside and inside, equally. For there is only one core essence to all existence. 
and that is the inner essence of the essence, Pneumiot Atik. Once we open up to the core essence of darkness and outside, which is the Pneumiot Atik, darkness and outside don't need to transform. For at, the, uh, for at their essence, they are the ultimate goodness, Pneumiot Atik. It is only when we move away our conscience from our openness to the core essence of darkness and of outside that we can then only see the outer layers upon outer layers of darkness and outside, which manifest themselves in being darkness and outside in an evil and challenging way. Thus, in truth, Mashiach isn't coming to bring us transformation at all. Rather, Mashiach is coming to open us up to the inner essence core of all existence, which is Hashem Echad, God is one. As the verse we quoted earlier states, on that day God will be one and His name one. What is left to understand is, how can we today, while still in exile, fighting with the darkness of the outside, bring and prepare ourselves for the peaceful ways of Mashiach? The answer will begin the clothing, the closing of the lecture. The answer to this question is what we explained earlier in the mystical teaching upon the verse in Psalms, that it is precisely through hoda'ah, acknowledgement, admission, that we open ourselves up to chesed, wealth beyond usable need, pneumiot atik, the inner essence of the essence. Prayer study, the study of the revealed Torah, and even the study of the hidden Torah are all actively engaging in revelation to know. It is precisely through simple hoda'ah, which means to simply open our consciousness to the inner essence which is beyond being known even unto itself. There is a very simple yet difficult concept in addiction recovery which simply asks, are you ready to give up the fight? This very notion is so foreign to the human ego. Ever since we were children, we were taught that if we tried hard enough, then we would succeed. Even in the teachings of the Torah we are taught, if someone says I have worked hard and, have, and I have not been successful, don't believe him. If someone says, I have not worked hard and I have been successful, don't believe him. If someone says, I have worked hard and I have been successful, believe him. And suddenly we are talking about giving up the fight, meaning that we should surrender? I want to share with you a story in the Torah. On the day that Aaron, the brother of Moses, was inaugurated as high priest, two of his sons died. Here is how it is told in the Torah. And Aaron's son, Nadav and Avihu, which took his pan, each took his pan, put fire in them, and placed incense upon it. And they brought before the Lord foreign fire, which he had not commanded them. And fire went forth from before the Lord and consumed them, and they died before the Lord. Then Moses said to Aaron, This is what the Lord said, etc., and Adam was silent. Aaron didn't fight with his pain or to accept that he must always thank God. Rather, all Aaron did was remain silent. He didn't pray, nor did he drown himself in Torah study or mitzvah observance. Instead, 
Aaron simply acknowledged God's choice and admitted that all he can do is to remain silent. If we are to open ourselves up to Reish Deloyes Yada, the head that does not know itself, or even deeper, Pnimiyat Atik, the inner essence of the essence, then we are going to have to get past fighting with ourselves or negotiating with God through prayer, Torah study, and mitzvah observance, and truly find within us the core essence of our soul, which simply is. In other words, the Aaron within us that remains silent. So, in final closing, before we can deal with darkness in our life, we need to first acknowledge in silence, which means not to try and talk ourselves through it or to think ourselves through it, but to acknowledge in silence that the core essence of darkness is part and parcel of God is everything and everything is God. Only then can we begin to face darkness as a source of light. So too it is with our inner darkness of specific characteristic traits. Before we embark on a lifetime of war against certain parts of ourselves, we must first silently embrace that every part of us is a source of light. light. This is the energy of Hanukkah, to find a source of light in the darkness of the outside. Friends, modernity offers growth and growth comes with challenges. Judaism offers timeless divine solutions. The Jewish mind is where modernity meets Judaism.